On January 20th, 1961, a young man named John F. Kennedy addressed his country for the first time as one of the youngest American presidents ever elected. America had taken a chance on this man. He was young, seen by some as a rich boy who really didn't have a lot going for him besides his money. So this was his big chance to make an impression on those who hadn't voted for him. He said a lot in this speech. However, at the end of the day, nearly 50 years from now, people don't remember every single word of John Kennedy's inauguration address. However, there is one line that everyone seems to be able to recall. That's not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. In the media lately, there's been a lot of negativity about America. Not to say that America doesn't have flaws. I think it's very obvious that it does. We're acknowledging that right now. However, the point of this podcast is not to discuss these flaws. If you want to hear about why America's awful, turn on any news channel. Look it up on Wikipedia. It's not hard. Everyone has an iPhone nowadays. What we're doing now is not asking what our country can do for us, but asking ourselves what we can do for our country. There's no draft going on right now. There's no revolutionary war. However, we do have podcasts. So what me and my friend Savannah Sire are going to do today, and for the next couple of months and hopefully years afterward, is tell the American people why not they should be ashamed of their country, but why they should love it. See, what our stance is, is that America isn't something that's simply constituted of the bad things it's done. In my view, America is reflected in the spirit of humanity. Like any human being, it has flaws, some more fatal than others. But deep down underneath all those, there is a beating heart, a working brain, and strong arms that try to create something beautiful. So, as we ask not what our country can do for us, but we, we can do for your country, we hope you'll listen for the next several episodes and really understand why America is worth fighting for. So, welcome to The People's Hands. Hello, my name is Shannon Beesink. If you're wondering what that sexy voice was in the beginning, that's mine. And my name is Savannah Sire, uh, the less sexy voice that comes right <laughs> after. Uh, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, as Shannon said, this is a podcast where we discuss the reasons why we love America and why we are proud to be an American. So topics range from literally anything. Culture, music, art, inventions, ideals, one, ideals historical people. Any We're going to cover it all. <laughs> yeah. So, Shannon, uh, do we want to talk a little bit about ourselves to get started? All right. We'll just throw a little bit out there. My name's Shannon Beesink. Uh, we're both 20-year-old girls from Missouri, everyone's favorite state. The show-me state. The show-me state. And we're showing you <laughs> how to do a podcast. Uh, uh, I go to mm. Southeast Missouri State University. I'm studying physical therapy, and that in no way affects anything that we're going to talk about in the next several months. So if you want that useless fact, you can put it in your pocket and keep it. It is cool, though. It, it is cool. Yeah. Uh, my name is Savannah Sire. Uh, as Shannon said, I'm also from Missouri. I, I go to St. Louis University, where I study political science. Shannon and I met in high school. <laughs> In gym class. In gym class. But our friendship really blossomed when we were put in the same history class <laughs> where we nerded out about the United States, much to the irritation of our teacher and the other students. 
whereas they were all trying to sleep, but our voices were too loud. For right, them to <laughs> exactly. Pull that off. So instead of annoying the other people in history class, we are here annoying you. Ign- annoying you. Ignoring you. <laughs> on the airwaves. I'm so sorry. So, Shannon, what are we going to talk about today? What's our first reason why we love America? Well, when me and Savannah were coming up with topics for this, there's a lot of stuff we came up with that we're going to talk about. Y'all are going to hear our uninformed opinions on NASA and books and film and TV. But above everything else, one of our greatest prides in America is the great American invention, not the light bulb, not the computer, rock and roll. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So I want to start off by talking about rock and roll. Obviously, it's something we both love Um, and something that a lot of people may not know, or maybe they do, is that most of rock and roll and indeed most popular genres of American music were started and really influenced by African-American um, traditional music, uh, rhythms, rhythms sla- uh, songs that African-American slaves in the United States, um, their uh, traditional slave hymns, things like that. Um, those really influence the the bones of rock and roll. That's really where it started. Yeah, I mean, especially like if you're listening to like the best Rolling Stones songs, a good Who song, a lot of things that are going to define that is the bass guitar and the drum. Absolutely. Those are two instruments that would probably not have reached the height they had if it weren't for centuries of African music leading up to it. Absolutely. So it's kind of almost the heartbeat of a song. Absolutely. It's definitely like, in my view, it's like in the sense of it's a heartbeat. It can't live without it. It's not the only thing going on, but without a heartbeat, you don't have the song. Absolutely. Just much as African-American stories and how America was built on African-Americans, so was rock and roll. In a way, uh, it also kind of reflects America in general in the sense where, yes, we're getting African-American influences, but also a lot of it is the, um, I mean, obviously America is a nation with a lot of European immigrants, so like you have like Irish, uh, German, Swiss, whatever. Absolutely. So in all these uh, rural places in America and all these foothills and whatever, what you're gonna get a lot of are these folk songs. Songs that are centuries old by now, and um, I think in the sense where Africa creates the heartbeat, uh, these folk songs I think kind of gave way to more of the storytelling aspect of rock and roll. Absolutely. Having something to say, um, of weaving words together to a beat to create something. Absolutely. And I think you brought up a great point, is that like, rock and roll more so than any genre than perhaps folk music or rap music, which are kind of, they're related. Yeah. Rock and roll really reflects the times, yeah. the cultural, the political, all of those aspects that go along with being an American. Rock and roll really reflects that which in its, its lyrics. it's almost interesting, because when you think about it, it's like, the history books are going to have different views at every turn, but people don't change songs. Right. You know what I mean? So, like, I'll listen to, like, the times they are changing, and that's why I need to know about the early 60s. Right, absolutely, you know? absolutely. It's a real voice of those people from that time yeah. that still rings yeah. true. Yeah, and like, you know, people play, like, I mean, I quoted one earlier, presidential speeches and right. stuff, but songs are written by people that grew up in a house, that had to get part-time jobs, that went to the public school system, that were made by America, and so right. when they write those songs, they're writing on behalf of America. Absolutely. So let's dive into some of the more... I would say, you know, last, the recent 
not recent recent but you know 1940s 1950s like the bones the legends of what we consider modern rock and roll yeah, yeah. um so just to name a few chuck berry a missouri boy ayo bb king muddy waters the kind of the guys that really um yeah, primarily african-american primarily african-americans who that, don't who um, don't always get the credit that they deserve which, so we're giving it to them say, now. the person we're about to talk to in the future that everyone slices their influence and he would probably say the same thing. I watched an interview once where he was talking about growing up in the South. He used to skip uh, school or skip church or whatever. And Sunday afternoons, he would go outside uh, Baptist church and he would listen to the music. And he was so hypnotized by it. It really created kind of like the like the, the ground on which he stood Absolutely. in terms of his music. Uh, anyway, so, and like, you're going to look like... Anybody who's interested in getting into rock and roll at all, you're going to look at these biographies of Mick Jagger and Paul McCartney and whoever, and the first thing that you're going to hear, nine times out of ten, is how they grew up listening to the stuff that came across the pond from America. Maybe didn't get as much love in America as it deserved, but it found these little British punk kids. Right, absolutely. Who it pretty much created, you know, a movement. Absolutely. It did. It really spawned rock and roll all over the world. Yeah. And of course, the person that you were discussing just a minute ago, I believe, is the one and only... Brad Paisley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The no, voice uh, of our generation, Brad uh, Paisley. Uh, all seriousness, uh, you gotta give a shout out to Elvis Presley every time you talk about rock and roll. Absolutely. Elvis Presley, the king. Um, Elvis was a singular force in rock and roll. Uh, kind of the first guy to really take the African-American bones of rock and roll and sing it and make it popular to white audiences. Yeah, which, I mean, and, like, this is kind of a bitter quote, but I remember reading something where, uh, I guess it was, what was his name, Sam something? The guy Elvis Presley. Everyone's like, these girls are fucking dumb. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't do their research. <laughs> right. Anyway, somebody, a producer who worked with Elvis Presley was talking about how I mean, in the reality of the 1950s, 1960s, if you had a white guy that sounded like a black guy, you were going to make millions of dollars. Right, absolutely. And frankly, that's what Elvis did. And, like, I'm not... Honestly, like, it's kind of a sad part of the time, but also you can't deny Elvis is pure talent. Right, absolutely. No one can seem like him. There hasn't been anyone who could seem like him since. Absolutely. I mean, in, you know, something like a voice is something that's innate to a person. Mm -hmm. So you have to give him that. You have to give him, you know... Wars influences on his sleeves in a time when everyone was very proper, everyone was very, let's keep that hush-hush, let's be mm -hmm. nice. He was humping a microphone on the Ed Sullivan show. <laughs> he was turning a lot of teenage girls very confused. <laughs> They're like, what is going on? He kind of, in a way, and this was something that was obviously popular with the primarily african-american rock and rollers before yeah. him even but he brought that showmanship yeah. to rock and roll whereas everything had been a little polite before yeah he really showed him like no like i'm here my, i yeah. am my music which once again if it wasn't for him i mean would mick jagger be able to run around in a sheepskin vest right or you know whoever absolutely Absolutely. And I believe the person you were talking about was the producer at Sun Studios. Yeah. Yes. Sam yes. something. I don't yeah. Know. We know Shout who he you, is. Sam. Yeah. I remembered your quote, but I didn't remember <laughs> your name. So Elvis obviously influenced so many. I mean, every rock and roller that came after him. Well, it's very endearing to hear, too. Like I said, you go to any Wikipedia page, you read any biography, something everyone born between in that era is going to mention is the first time I saw Elvis Presley. Right, absolutely. I've heard that from Paul McCartney to Bruce Springsteen, you know, two guys who are, kind of came in different decades but still remembered that 
kind of the first like, moment when the doors broke open. Right, absolutely. And kind of moving into the era after Elvis, we obviously have to talk about the 1960s where rock and roll, folk, R&B, all of those things really merged together to create yeah. some real life-changing music. Yeah, and it's kind of this part where you know, rock and roll, and it started with sort of a singular thing. Like, I mean, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lewis, they sort of had the same thing going on. Mm-hmm. However, once you start hitting the 60s, I mean, you get two people, like, even two bands where it's like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. They're mm-hmm. on bass pretty similar, mm-hmm. but, like, anyone who gets into both their genres starts seeing where, like, the Rolling Stones were doing this, the Beatles were doing that. Mm-hmm. This and that are not the same thing. Right. So I think that was kind of a really big start to where it was, like, you know, Elvis wasn't necessarily, I mean, I guess people will argue with me on this, he wasn't necessarily experimental. Right, In absolutely. the sense that where it's like, he's trying to take music, he was doing stuff no one had done before, but in the sense where he's almost making his own, like, like his own river, or his own, right. um, you know. He kind of took, yeah. the ocean, all these rivers are branching off. Right, absolutely, absolutely. So, you brought up the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, two British bands, obviously, that were not only influenced by American early rock and rollers, but also American peers at the time in the 1960s, yeah. such as Bob Dylan and the Beach Boys. Yeah, which I know how you feel about the Beach Boys. Right, So absolutely. I will, I will just take the Beach Boys for now. I'll see okay, you know, all right. It. Yeah, Shane, so, you uh, can talk about I will the Beach say, Boys. I mean, I'm not one of those Beach Boys super fans, but I am someone who appreciates... I think the Beach Boys, which everyone was doing this at the time, but I think the Beach Boys really took to where it's like, you know, they're just not playing the C chord, the G chord, the D chord. Every Like, when you listen to a Beach Boys song, every note in that song is supposed to be there. Brian Wilson worked really hard on those harmonies. You know, he took, uh, he brought different instruments in, he brought dogs into the studio, because he knew, like, if I'm making something different, I want to make something that's really going to touch people, it has to be something that they haven't heard before. And he's taking these chords, and he's making them into something, I mean, I think it's utterly gorgeous. You know, you listen to something where, you know, and like, the lyrics, I will admit, you know, I want to go on my surfboard and go down the ocean. But, I mean, then you listen to something like God Only Knows, where it's like, not only are the lyrics beautiful, but every single note is put in there with such care and such, like, gentleness that it just creates, like, a gorgeous melody. I will say one thing. I am not a massive Beach Boys fan. Mm -hmm. Please don't send hate mail, but... (laughs) Brian Wilson is going to, like, storm in. But I will say something about the Beach Boys too. Even their early stuff, it's one of the first. I won't. I won't say the first, but it's one of the most ob- obvious examples of a very location-based band. Yeah. Because you can really tell that the Beach Boys have those Western Californian influences. Yeah. Obviously, they're yeah. the Beach Boys, and I think that that also speaks to a great thing about American music is that America is so vast and so different place to place. I mean, California is really nothing like Missouri. Yeah. We're all Americans, but we have yeah. distinct differences. And I think hearing the Beach Boys sometimes, or any music that's similar in the way that it brings its location into its music, yeah. I think that that also gives you a glimpse into how other Americans live. And yeah. I think that is something that rock and roll really gives you, is it it takes influences from all around it, including the location that the band or the singer is in, and really puts it in its heart. Yeah. So I will say that about the Beach Boys. Well, it, there you go, Samir. Yeah, I, that is something good. But I also want to talk about, of course, also in the 1960s, probably one of the most influential American artists, but also especially of the 1960s, is, of course, the great Bob Dylan. 
Bob Dylan. He was my number one artist on my Spotify listens this year. Oh, wow. So you could say I'm qualified. (laughs) Mine was Panic at the Disco, also another great American band. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, but anyway. anyway. I was talking about Bob Dylan. I think Bob Dylan, in terms of songwriting, which not just Americans, just like, I mean, even me, I've tried to write a few songs, and what I always go back to is, among other artists, trying to craft a song the way Bob Dylan did. Right. I think that's like something people don't really think about whenever they think about music is it's poetry put to a beat. Absolutely. People are singing with notes. And I think Bob Dylan is definitely one of the great American poets. I mean, there's a reason he won a Nobel Prize for Literature. Right. Because he was writing. You take a song, and I think what I love about Bob Dylan, too, is even his most nonsensical songs are just gorgeous. They are. Like, in a way, I can't put my finger on. Like, I was, I saw this quote from Mr. Tambourine Man that made me want to cry. It's like, Take me on that ship up on your magic swirling ship. No one knows what he's talking about. Right. Or something, like, take me through, disappearing through the smoke rings of my mind with your tamarind and time. I don't know what he's referencing, but it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. He knew how to take nouns and verbs. He knew how to take everything and make it into a sense where it's like, I don't need to know what you're talking about. I just need to know what you're feeling. He could convey that feeling through song. Absolutely. And uh, I think Bob Dylan also was one of the first artists that really gave a voice to the people. Oh, for sure. I mean, he kind of distanced himself from it later, but definitely starting out, he was the, one of the biggest protest uh, mm-hmm. song guys. You take a song like Blowing in the Wind, The Times They Are Changing, mm-hmm. uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door, stuff like that. Uh, to kind of reflect, you know, there's what the senators are saying, there's what the president's saying, there's what the people are saying. Right. I think Bob Dylan, in a sense, was a representative of the people in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I I was going to say pretty much the same thing about Bob Dylan, as I think that what's so great about his songs is it's really a window into not just the past, but you can really get a, a feeling for what the people in the 1960s or just in that movement were thinking and Mm -hmm. how they were reacting to their time and he really gave a voice like you said to those people who were living in this very turbulent and changing time but another amazing thing is that here we are 2019 those lyrics and those songs are still relevant yeah i mean it's not just a window into the past it's also a, a look at what we're doing right now and i think that speaks to his his skill as a songwriter, yeah. but also his his perception as a yeah. human being that these are struggles that humans are always going yeah. to have. Well, and it's like, it's like, you know, like, it's not like he said in a song the Vietnam War, such a bore. Like, right, you know, right. Like, that's a great song or whatever, but like, that's only relevant to people during the Vietnam War. What he said is how many times uh, must a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see. Right, exactly. That isn't something that just applies to the Vietnam War. That applies to every struggle or people have suffered because someone looked the other way. Absolutely. It's what we're going through right now. It's, you know, what are you going to turn your head from and, you know, stick your head in the sand? And Bob Dylan really calls you out, no matter what age you are. Hey, you fucking prick. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting shit. I'm gonna call you out. That could have been John Lennon or Bob Dylan. Yeah, oh this God, is a John versatile Lennon. impression. Jesus Christ. But yeah, basically, listen to some Bob Dylan and you'll get shamed. Yeah. By I mean, Uncle you also Bob. get some nice breakup roasting songs. Right, absolutely. Like a Rolling Stone where he's basically like, you're such a bitch, it, and I'm telling you why. <laughs> it ticks all the boxes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think someone else that 
we mentioned, I mean, he's not necessarily rock, but he deserves a mention. Yeah. In that same vein as Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, of course. Johnny Cash. Another I great think, people's songwriter. Yeah. And, you know, people really dig on country music, and Johnny Cash had some corny songs, like, I, mean, I think every musician does eventually at of some course. point, unless you're just, like, so cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we were talking about it earlier, you know, rock and roll isn't something that can't be put in a box. So you take someone like Johnny Cash, you ask anyone, they'll say, oh, he's a country artist. And, you know, people hear country, they get all these perceptions. But what Johnny Cash was, was just so different from anyone else. He was not someone who, you know, was churning out top 40 hits just for the sake of it. He was someone who wrote and sang like the person he was. He was poor guy, born in Arkansas, and he never forgot that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you ever listen to The Man in Black? That's a song where he's like, I don't wear, like, I'm wearing black in mourning for prisoners who have been in prison for too long, for people who are getting their asses shot off. So I think what basically I'm trying to say is Johnny Cash is not someone who can just be written off as a corny country artist. Johnny Cash is, in a sense, the soul of rock and roll, if you're trying to define it. Rock and roll is not giving a shit about conforming, it's not giving a shit about what other people think about what you're going to say. It's saying what you feel, mm-hmm. and it's saying who you are, and it's being true to that. And I think Johnny Cash emulates that absolutely, perfectly. Absolutely. And of course, we'll mention Johnny Cash when we speak about country music, oh, but yeah. he does deserve a huge mention in rock and roll, yeah. simply because he does embody the people. And I mean, he lived a a rock lifestyle as opposed to some other country artists. If you do enough drugs, I think you can be right. <laughs> included yeah, in the rock for and sure. Um, so kind of moving into the same, it's less decade-ish now, but moving into the same vein of like speaking for the people and, you know, uh, protest rock or any of those things. I mean, we cannot do this podcast without speaking of one person. And I think, I think I think everybody <laughs> needs to strap in because I just want to preface this particular person with a short story. When I met Shannon freshman year of high school, we obviously bonded over our love of rock and roll, hence why it's the first episode of this podcast. But Shannon's my love for anything was completely eclipsed by Shannon's love for one singular <laughs> human being. And that is the Brad one Paisley. and o- <laughs> <laughs> oh my no, god! I'm sorry, but- I'm gonna use that joke until oh, I stop Oh Jesus laughing. Christ! <laughs> that person was not Brad Paisley, but the one and only, the boss, Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. So Shannon, please take it away. All right, where to start with Bruce Springsteen? Um, what I can say about him for me personally is, you know, in grade school I listened to the Beatles. I grew up listening to the Rolling Stones with my dad. And, you know, there were artists like that I enjoyed and I loved and I still love, but they never really felt like mine. You know, like Yeah. They never they felt like something I had been given. That's something that had been given to me and not something that I really gave myself. Mm-hmm. And I remember I uh, kind of started in grade school, but gradually in high school I really found a person that felt like he was talking to me felt like I was one-on-one with this song you know Mm -hmm. I remember I can remember one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs is Atlantic City I remember it's a good song it's a great song and uh I remember I was starting to get into him and I was jogging I was like oh listen to some Bruce Springsteen while I'm jogging and you know I had heard Dancing in the Dark and Glory Days which are great songs 
But I remember listening to Atlantic City, and I think what really haunted me about that song and also made it so personal to me is it really kind of showed, like, just like with Bob Dylan, the storytelling aspect of rock and roll, Mm -hmm. to where you hear this, you know, it's a three-minute song, half the lines are being repeated, you don't have a lot of time to give the full breadth of the story, but with Atlantic City, Bruce tells you about this person and the struggles they're going through, and it's, like I said, three-minute song, and once it's over, it's like it's something so personal and it just hit me so hard like it was just just gorgeous i mean ever since then i've been obsessed with them to the point where it puts people off a little bit it doesn't put me off well thank you i remember (laughs) i uh took my college roommate to my room a few months ago and we walked in and i just had to start off all right and this is my giant poster bruce springsteen (laughs) here it is i can't hide it but uh anyway so if we're talking about in terms of rock and roll i think Bruce almost, like, incorporates both the best parts of Elvis and Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And since Elvis, he has the showmanship, he can make, he makes his, all of his concerts are great, they're fun, I've never been to one. Soon. <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. soon. Please, Bruce, please, please go on tour. Of God. We will do anything. Stop singing on Broadway. <laughs> I can't afford your tickets. <laughs> please anyway. call up the E Street Band. <laughs> yes. Anyway, but I mean, you know, you just have to watch a Super Bowl halftime show to feel that kind of energy. Absolutely. You know, uh, everyone I've talked to has seen him and said he's one of the best they've ever seen. He's one Mm -hmm. of the greatest showmen in rock and roll. I think he gets a lot of that from Elvis. For sure. But also, you got the Bob Dylan, where it's like, you know, there's songs like Atlantic City and like Bob Dylan has his own, where you're telling a story of a person. Then there's songs like Jungle Land or Born to Run, where it's not so much a person, but an attitude. Yeah. And I think Bruce really if you're talking about rock and roll affecting the times, it's talking about all these people being stuck in these small towns that, you know, kind of popped up after World War II, Mm -hmm. living these corporate lives, uh, their dad wanting them to be what they were, and uh, kind of that frustration and that anger, and it's being vented into this just, like, cataclysmic Mm -hmm. orchestra. And I think, like, something Bruce really reflects, too, and, like, and not just Bruce, you have to give credit to the E Street Band. Oh, for sure. Bruce would not be the person he is without them. Yeah. So what I'm saying with the E Street Band is, once again, rock and roll is not just the lyrics. Right. You know, you have, in his songs, you have this pianos and drums and saxophones and guitars and basses, and they're all coming together to create this just, like, orgy of music. (laughs) Yeah, but really, honestly. I mean, really, I think it just really reflects, like, once again, like like you were saying earlier with African-American and folk influences, it's two things being threaded together. Mm -hmm. And with Bruce, it's kind of like the best of both things. Best of both sides, yeah. I think, Absolutely. really reflecting in his music. No, I completely agree. And as you were talking, I thought of a couple things about Bruce. <laughs> Ten-minute rant that about I, Bruce I think we should just pivot and just do a podcast about Bruce Springsteen. Oh, God, I could oh, go on for hours. Oh, we should do it. No, I was thinking about a few things, and one of them you brought up just <clears throat> how he is known as, like, this incredible storyteller this incredible you know he's able to focus on one person or one place or whatever Mm -hmm. and that's something that even you know the greatest music critics have said about Bruce Springsteen Mm -hmm. is that when you listen to his lyrics you want to know more about the person that's in the song even though that person doesn't exist Bruce has made it so real for you and another thing he's far from the first person to have done this but just as I've gotten more into him after listening yeah. to you talk about how great he is. You're like, I guess I should listen to right. one. <laughs> I had to, I had to do more research on my own. But as I've listened to Bruce Springsteen, it, he's so much more than just 
a single, like, an artist with good singles. I mean, yeah. his albums and the way that they're packaged and the way they feel like one song just goes into the yeah. next one seamlessly yeah. and how they have, the albums have a whole story to them. Yeah. And I think that that is so wonderful to be able to appreciate a body of work completely yeah. on its own, not just as, oh, here's the good single and the rest yeah. of filler. I mean, none of his songs yeah. are filler. And I think that's just absolutely Which, incredible. I, mean, I think that's just reflective of a good artist, too. It's just, like, I just always... Like, first thing I do whenever I get into an artist is I pick an album, one of their greatest albums, I listen to it from start to finish. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, these songs are put in this order for a reason. And, you know, sometimes you listen to those albums, and it's like, this song could have gone before this one, nothing would have changed. Mm-hmm. Like, you listen to something like What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Right. Or, uh, you know, some of the different Beatles albums. Yeah. When uh, the songs just literally translate into each other. Absolutely. It's like, you know, I'd, I'm just going to stick on Marvin Gaye for a second, but uh, where it's like, I listen to what's going on by myself, by itself, you know, and yeah. it's like, I wouldn't have even known it was part of this whole other body, but then you listen to the album, and it's right. like, it's almost like one song. It is. Yeah. It, I mean, it flows so seamlessly, and the story it tells yeah. is really real. And Which, if... Honestly, if we're talking about it, kind of occurred to me is America. It's a history that seems into each other. One song absolutely could not exist without the other. You're right. I mean, they're all influencing one another, yeah. and they're all intertwined. You can't have no one stands alone. Yeah. In American music. Yes. And another thing too that I think we should bring up about Bruce while we're on the topic, uh, we've spent most of our time on Bruce Springsteen, but I think it's <laughs> I think it's warranted. Yeah. Um, is that. We've mostly been talking about single artists. Mm -hmm. You know, Elvis, Chuck Berry. I mean, the Beach Boys are a band, but they were primarily led by (laughs) Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson and Mike Love bitching at Brian Wilson. Right. And some of their (laughs) brothers and cousins. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, Johnny Cash. We've talked about these singular forces. Yeah. Whereas Bruce himself is technically his own art. I mean, he's Bruce Springsteen. He's one guy. Yeah. But no one sees a Bruce Springsteen concert to see Steve Van Zandt. Right, exa- exactly. We love Steve Van Zandt, but... No shade, n- right, Steve Van right, Van right. But I think you have to come to terms right, with that as right. well. But I think something that he figured out so well, and you can see this in any video he has with the E Street Band, mm-hmm. is that rock and roll is such a music of camaraderie. Yeah. And even though you have all these horror stories of bands breaking up, I mean, nothing binds you to another person like playing music with them and you can see that even with his backing band who they all look like family up there and there's a lot of personality to the band itself and i think that it gives you a warm fuzzy feeling when you see it because you know they're all working towards the same goal up there they want to give a good show and so props to bruce springsteen and the e street band you guys fucking rock shannon loves you please go on tour for the love of god please go on tour. for the love of god okay moving on from as much as it pains me to move on from Bruce Springsteen, yeah. I suppose we should. There's um, always someone listening that hates Bruce Springsteen. It's just like, I'm so turned <laughs> off by these people. They never listen to our podcast again. We're more than just Bruce Springsteen. Right. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about something, too. Um, women in rock and roll. Oh, yeah. Often a not well-appreciated side of rock and roll, but I think obviously we I mean, want to talk women about women are them. rock and roll they You're are talking about like women are hardcore yeah they're hard as fuck yeah <laughs> they're metal as fuck yeah uh <laughs> i mean there's plenty to talk to i want to bring up janice joplin oh absolutely uh, you know like 
just one of the greatest, I think, it's one of those things where it's almost strange, because it's not like her voice is necessarily, like, if she got put in, like, a vocal camp, I don't know if she would be right ranked the highest, but right. she lets those scratches out. She lets those screams out, because when Janis Joplin sings and you hear her sing, you take something like Peace of My Heart, oh, like yeah. that song. Like, she's not trying to sound pretty. Mm-mm. She's trying to tell you how she feels. Yeah. And I think she really lets that in through her songs. Absolutely. Or through her singing recordings. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think that, especially in early rock and roll, you know, 60s, 70s, even the 50s, but mm-hmm. the, I mean, the female pioneers of rock and roll really had that soul to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't poppy. It wasn't feel good. It was like, here I am. I have a statement yeah. to make. Well, I think it's very, like, also if you think in terms of just like, you know, veterans of World War II all understand each other because they were all in World War II. You know, people that I don't know, went to Woodstock, all understand each other. People that went to Catholic school all understand right, each other. Because they all go through these singular experiences. Or, you know, people that, like, prefer Walmart to Target. <laughs> <laughs> they can have, like, all these differences, but... And I think that's also kind of influenced in the sense, um, you see these women rockers, they all kind of, you know, a lot of women go through the same struggles every day, and I think mm-hmm. they kind of all have a lot of similarities in the sense where it's like, hey, I've been told, you know, I wasn't going to make it. I've been right. told, like to shut up so they can someone else can speak so i think yeah you kind of even if they're not saying it i think you can feel it right absolutely and i think that it's evident in the premier female rockers yeah. that we have i mean um one of my favorites obviously Joan jet oh, i yeah. think really just kicked the shit out of stereotypes <laughs> yeah. for what a female performer should be i mean yeah. she just got up there and played music with the boys you know yeah. what i mean and like she was just as good if not better than all of them and yeah. she really had her own style her own you know her own voice and i think that having those pioneers who are come out and say you know like just because we're women doesn't mean we don't we're not able to sing the same songs play yeah. the same music you know and sometimes most and do it better yeah and i think that she's definitely a um a pioneer in that. I mean, you can even look at bands like Fleetwood Mac. Obviously, yeah, heavy fem- yeah. obviously heavy female influence there. Um, well, Fleetwood Mac, you can also admit, like, uh, you know, take Stones, Beatles, Beach Boys, those were all male bands. You have right. to get credit to Fleetwood Mac. They were a band that were like, we got boys, we got girls, and we have one of the best-selling albums Absolutely. Of all time. A real co-ed experience, which we understand... <laughs> real co-ed experience. We understand... Yeah intimately yeah considering we were in a band with boys and girls yes yeah yes i will say my i don't think my gender ever changed anything no i think that it works super well yeah 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 i think it's a made-up roadblock oh for for sure for sure and i mean you can even see that later on too that pioneering spirit of just like here i am i have something to say and just Mm -hmm. because i'm a woman doesn't mean you can silence me Mm -hmm. even in pop artists later i mean madonna i'm not a huge madonna fan but like madonna rolling around the stage at the vmas like (laughs) iconic out with britney right like you know what i mean like she at least had the balls to be like well she didn't have balls but she had the vagina she had the vagina to say like you know what women can be sexual too you know and that's still going on with artists that we have today where women are kind of they try to silence them. They try to keep them down on the charts or whatever, but they find a way. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Rock and roll, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some other artists that I think we should talk about too. I mean, just some feel good American sounding music. I mean, Tom Petty, 
T-Pets. I mean, I think R-I-P. that... Absolutely. I think that he's one of those I think, artists yeah, you, you make it. He's at. very American-sounding. He, he is American-sounding. Yeah. And I don't really know how to... I don't know if there's a way to describe what that sounds like, but he is just American-sounding. Yeah. 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 Um, and also, I think we've had a big theme throughout this episode of just about protest rock or, mm-hmm. like, the way rock and roll is a voice of the people. Yeah. And I think you can't leave out, like, punk music. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think about punk music... They think, like, oh, the Sex Pistols, the Clash, right? Yeah. Obviously, fantastic British bands. Yeah. But you can't leave out our punk rockers who were revolutionary in every sense. Yeah. You know, the Ramones, for example. Yeah. I mean, the Ramones exploded, and mm-hmm. they really were doing something that no one had ever heard before. I mean... I think what I like about the Ramones is, like, I mean, you take some rock and roll bands, and, I mean, Bruce Springsteen does this. It doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, but people will take these eight-minute songs... Mm-hmm. And they just put everything they have into them. Ramones songs are like two minutes long. Absolutely. And, you know, they skyrocketed from that. Hell so I yeah. think it's kind of a, a great example of quality over quantity. Absolutely. And I mean, those two minute songs are fucking insane. Yeah. Like, they're so good. Yeah. I mean, even, who was it? Bono wrote that song about hearing the Ramones for the first time. The Miracle of Joey Ramone or something uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. It's all about, like... That was, like, his moment yeah. where he realized music was amazing. And I think they also wrote a song that every college student can relate to, I Want to Be Sedated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't we all? I feel <laughs> it so hard. I feel it I so I don't even hard. need... I feel it about my own. I listened to that when I was, like, studying for an anatomy test or something. I was just like, fuck. Wouldn't that be great, the Ramones? Oh, God. Don't do drugs, kids. Please don't. Don't. But Just I, listen I, to the Ramones. I, I think we can all agree. Sometimes everyone wants to be sedated. Right, no, for sure. For sure. But don't. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Do it metaphorically. We're not your parents. Do whatever the hell you want. That's anyway. True. That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving in from the Ramones, obviously, you've got those punk rock bands that came after them. You know, Green Day. Yeah. I mean, but bef- even before Green Day, Nirvana and the yeah. bands that really brought in that 90s grunge... Well, and also kind of showing that it's like, you know, Nirvana does not sound like the Beach Boys, but they're no. often put under kind of the same umbrella. And I think that's just one of the great things about rock and roll. Absolutely. Is, you know, it's one thing, it's many things. Yeah. And another thing about Green Day is you take a song like American Idiot, you know, Green Day and Bob Dylan, if you're tracing it back, they're not the same artists. They, mm. I don't even know if they would get along if they met. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a song like American Idiot is... In the same vein as something yeah. like the times they are a change and blown in the wind, it's pointing at America. And one of the great things about America is that we are able to point at ourselves, yeah, without fear of retribution. Yeah, I mean, some fear, but not a lot of fear. Right. In in the Constitution, no we should we do have the freedom of speech. Freedom whether, of speech. Whether that's practiced as it should be all the time, which it's not. Yeah. It is one of the rights that is technically given to us. Yeah, and I think as part of the American ideal system, it's great part of that so like i said like you take green day i don't want to be an american idiot right don't want a nation controlled by the media you know they're kind of in the same sense just like bob dylan was doing they're taking something a lot of people feel and they're putting it into a single Mm -hmm. outlet and letting others know like hey this is how people my age feel this is how people that look like me feel Mm -hmm. and i have to say for green day too i mean that you're right that those themes that they've written about and it just is a testament to american songwriting yeah that it isn't just a window into you know 2001 or the the bush administration which yeah. is technically what it was written about yeah it's and also they, like 
Abraham Lincoln would have like bopped to that. Right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But it's like that's so relevant even today. Yeah. You know, you yeah. can you can listen to the times are changing and and American Idiot right next to one another yeah. and relate to both of them. Yeah. And I, and I think Written, what forty something years, years apart. apart. Yeah. And I mean, Green Day still one of the most I would say influential, most popular kind of punk rock bands yeah. of that era that are still playing. Yeah. And all of the artists we've really talked about today really it's hard to go see them but green day still out there and plays those songs with the same vengeance and the same conviction and i think i always say that rock and roll is the fountain of youth either you die young or you live forever yeah and green day is one of those live forever type bands Billy armstrong has not aged right (laughs) (laughs) yeah billy joe armstrong does look exactly the same like he he's a handsome guy he is i know uh, I will say another thing that I like about Green Day, I think speaks to rock and roll and also artists in general, is uh, you take something like Green Day, most of their songs are like American Idiot or, I don't know, Holiday, Brain Stew, mm-hmm. whatever. It's super hard. It's mm-hmm. electric guitars, chords just going right, fucking right, ham. Right. But um, they also have these like gorgeous songs. Good Riddance. Oh, absolutely. Time of your life. Absolutely. You know, something Wake me up when like, September ends. Yeah, it's yeah. like... You know, good riddance, it's, what, a guitar and a violin. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. Billy Joe Armstrong singing. And it's, like, you know, it's kind of a testament to artists themselves where it's, like, hey, you can have this idea of what you are and you have the freedom to completely go against that, you know. Absolutely. Or not necessarily against, but go a different direction. You can also say, going back to Johnny Cash, you know, he covered a song that was originally, like, a punk heavy metal song. Right, 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 right. Which is his version has to be one of the most touching, beautiful songs yeah. ever. Uh, beautiful covers, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, just uh, something where it's like, you know, take away all the stuff you think of, you know about me. This is me, Johnny Cash, talking to you. Right. He didn't even write the words, but you hear him singing it, and it's like, this is what he experienced. He knows what this person was talking about, which you can also testament to music in general is like, who knows if the guy from Nine Inch Nails and Johnny Cash have ever met, but the guy from Nine Inch Nails wrote a song. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was from different experiences. He didn't live the same life Johnny Cash did, but Johnny Cash heard that song mm-hmm. and he heard it speaking to him. Yes, absolutely. No, I completely agree. And in that same vein, I think that covering artists, mm-hmm. which is something obviously, you know, we love too, yeah. it, that's something that really speaks to, as you said, I mean, the timelessness of a song. I yeah. mean, you think of, I mean, another great American band that we didn't really mention, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh my God, how we I, I don't know, and but, but we did. Uh. Uh, the songwriting, that sorry, the harmonies, Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, I mean, they're taking the best of Bob Dylan and right. the Beach Boys. And but I mean, also think about the Sound of Silence, which was covered by like what? The Distur- Disturbed. Disturbed, yeah. right? And like beautiful versions both and it's like that song is so beautiful and timeless that it can be covered by many different people and it never loses its meaning Well, and that's the thing too with rock and roll rock and roll is not just like america it's not built for a singular race or gender Mm -hmm. or you know person Mm -hmm. you know the guy from disturbed and paul simon do not look the same the guy from (laughs) manage nails and johnny cash do not look the same they probably they don't come from the same background probably don't think the same no and it's you know it's something that it's not written for a person so much as a people right absolutely and i think that's one of the great things about rock and roll is that you know and also you know cheers to has so many genres if you don't like paul simon 
but you like Green Day, you're right. still in the rock and roll house. Absolutely. You're still in the same room. Ex- oh, that was good. I just came up with that. That was fucking did, good. This is not scripted, if God you can't tell. Damn, <laughs> that was so good. Thank you. No, Thank you. so, yes, I agree. I mean, being able to speak to this collective American consciousness is yeah. something that rock and roll does. And I think that it's accessible to yeah. everyone in a way that other genres aren't. I mean, you can appreciate other genres while not still listening to them. I mean, for example, country music is targeted at a specific audience yeah. for the most part. I yeah. mean, for a long time, you know, hip hop yeah. was, you know, speaking to a specific audience and there's nothing wrong with that. I yeah. think that's also very important, but mm-hmm. I think that having rock and roll be such this reaching across you know, uh, reaching across economic lines or yeah. racial lines. Yeah. I mean, it really... Yeah, it's something is... a lot of politicians aren't able to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, music gets the job done where pretty much nothing else does. Yeah. It really bridges the gap between ideology, yeah. between gender, between race, and I think that's something that's beautiful about American music. I mean, hell, you go to a wedding... You know, my sister's wedding was full of a myriad of conservatives and liberals. <laughs> but when Piano Man came on, right. we all put our arms around each other and we <laughs> sing the shit out of that song. Oh, God. And, you know, Donald Trump, I'm, you know, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, George Bush, we're not able to do that. You know who was? Billy Joel. Yeah, yeah. Some kid from Jersey with a fucked up looking <laughs> hairdo. Is he from Jersey? <sighs> I He's hope from he Long is. Island. Ah, shit. Like, Don't want to offend he, anyone from might, either place. No, nah, he might be. That, that's on me. Shana and I have taken a nice trip to Long Island. We'll talk about that in a different podcast. Senior year of high school. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you probably <laughs> blocked it out. Jesus. It was rough. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Hoo boy. But, I also want to talk about something else. Um, and this is kind of switching gears from the feel-good nature that we just sort of ended on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to talk about tragicness in rock and roll and how I'm glad that we're moving away from that. I mean, think we talked about Nirvana just slightly. Yeah. And we think about other American artists like The Doors. Uh, we yeah. didn't mention The Janis Doors. Joplin. Janis Joplin. And Jimi Hendrix. I think for Jimi Hendrix. How did we forget Jimi Hendrix? Oh my god, I don't god, know. We're so embarrassed. We're horrible. Who let us make this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Get us oh, out of here. Oh my god. Well, we'll open the podcast with Jimi Hendrix playing the like national, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just us making it up to Jimmy. Uh, yeah, Hendrix. sorry, Jimmy. Um, Oof, I fucking love you, Jimmy. I think that for a long time there was this romanticizing yeah. of death and a insane lifestyle in rock and roll. I do think we are kind of getting away from that now. Yeah, which I will say, in terms of, I mean. It's a fact. Rock and roll isn't what it used to be. Not to say that it's dead. I would definitely no. never say that. No. But, you know, it's kind of shifted gears from the popular songs of the day, which, if you think about it now, most popular genre is probably rap. Yes, which absolutely. Which is almost, in its own genre, it's starting to experience the same thing with Mac Miller. Uh, I mean, Nipsey Hussle. Oh, absolutely. Uh, literally, you hear every day about a different rapper who dies young. Yep. You know, and... Um, it's something I hope they can get away from. Right, for sure. And which, honestly, if you take any musical lifestyle, there's drugs. Yeah. And there's, which not, I mean, Nipsey Hussle didn't die from drugs. But, right, right, right. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I think we are moving away in rock and roll from that destructive lifestyle. I think yeah. rock and roll has always been a sense of 
while it has been socially conscious, it's like we were just saying, it is also about feeling good yeah. about yourself and the people around yeah. you. And I think, hopefully, we are moving into a place where the artists themselves feel good as well. Yeah. Well, it's also a changing culture, you know. Recognition of mental health problems For is sure. different. Uh, sure. Recognition of addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot more outlets than there used to be. Absolutely. So. Hopefully, yeah. Paul McCartney and Bruce Springsteen are still chugging, so yeah. hopefully everyone else will Absolutely. still be. And so I also want to, before we wrap up, I mean, I think we've hit on some very important points about mm-hmm. rock and roll, but you mentioned something about rock and roll not being dead, and mm-hmm. I agree with that. I think that rock and roll, as we've shown, as we've been talking about it, there's so many people and so many influences and so many cultures that have created rock and roll yeah. in, in almost into this incredible position where it can't die. Yeah. Because what is rock and roll truly? I mean, we mentioned people of all types of genres. Yeah. Or different subgenres of rock and yeah. roll, but it's all under the same thing. I mean, you walk through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and yeah, a wide variety of right characters. you'll you'll see so many different people yeah. because rock and roll is a feeling it's a it's, state of mind it's a state of mind and you can be rock and roll without playing you know without being a hair band you don't have to be aerosmith to be rock yeah. and roll yeah. you know so i think that it is wonderful because i i see all these articles and stuff about how rock is dead rock is dead but yeah. how can rock die well you know i think it's like it's like the same thing where people say, oh, God is dead. Oh, the American dream is dead. Right. Ideals don't die. Right, yeah. People who pioneer those ideals die. I mean, humanity is, has an expiration It's mortal, date. yeah. It's more, yeah, that's a better way of putting it. We're not a <laughs> jug of milk. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think what's important is rock and roll is not dead as long as the people who love rock and roll are still alive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's, you know, rock and roll, the same people, uh, and it's like what happened with Woodstock. You know, people, the new Woodstock, people are like, oh, Jay-Z's there. Ugh. Right, right, right. And it's like, you know, Jay-Z's rock and roll. like In his own right, yeah. Yeah, if you talk about rock and roll as a genre, maybe not necessarily, but rock and roll as a attitude, yeah. rock and roll as a way of thinking. For sure. As a way of... This Influencing is, people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, then, I mean, Jay-Z's super rock and roll. Oh, for sure. Know? And I think, you know, people just, like, expect some, you know, and you take... Not to rag on them, but you take a grand band like Gre- Greta Van Fleet. Mm-hmm. People have been bitching for years. Oh, no one makes music like they used to, blah, blah, blah. Greta Van Fleet comes out as, let's, we're going to say a Led Zeppelin copycat band. Right, right, right. For now. Who knows? Yeah. Prove me wrong, Greta Van Fleet. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> Greta Van Fleet is a Led Zeppelin cover band. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, and, like, people like Greta Van Fleet, but I think most people have recognized at this point yeah, they're not uh, original. They're not experimenting yes, with their music, yes. that's for sure. So, like, I think at this point, like, you know, rock and roll, yeah, it doesn't sound like it used to, but I think people, like, like I said, you can't put it in a box. No. You can't say, that's rock, that's not. Right. Because, I mean, then that's not very rock and roll of you. Absolutely, <laughs> right. Yeah. Rock and roll, like I said earlier, rock and roll is not a person, it's not a place, it's, it's an uh, idea. feeling. Yeah, it's, it's a feeling. It's an idea. And you I, know what else is? What? America. Oh my god, that's where we should end the podcast. I just feel like I have a lot more opinions yeah, than me I need do. to give <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but that, that's no, a good way no, to end it. I mean, I, we're not going to end the podcast there, but we should have. <laughs> no, I think also, before we go, I do want to talk about, too, to the 
the staying power of the memory of rock and roll. Because yeah. I'm sure you and I both have the same kind of memories. I mean, yeah. maybe we have some of the same memories yeah. of rock and roll being something that has featured in those moments of your life. I think there's no way to separate rock and roll from American consciousness or American moments or, you know, it's for example, like, I mean, you talk to people that, you know, were around in, you know, the sixties and seventies and they remember, you know, following the dead around one summer, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, but like, those are things that formed them as people. Yeah. And those are singular, American band experiences. I mean, yeah. the Grateful Dead for sure. Yeah. You know, but like all those bands and and all those things you remember, I always put it this way. I mean, you remember what rock song or rock pop, I suppose, yeah. was number one, you know, when you turned 16 and you yeah. got your first car yeah. and you were driving down, you know, yeah. <laughs> Route K to turn <laughs> into Notre Dame Regional High School. Yeah. You know what I mean? You remember screaming those songs with your friends. Yeah. And I think that Americans in general, even though we are all kind of different, we do have some of those same experiences that bring us together. I mean, moments yeah. in politics or moments like, in life where, and music was I mean, there. You take me, I'm not very conservative. I'm not super, I mean, I can get down with the country people, but <laughs> not really who I am. But me and that Make America Great Again guy in the white pickup truck fucking bopped all the time. <laughs> right. And you remember those things because music, it's like, it's like the soundtrack of your life. Yeah. And, not just to a personal level, but also it's the soundtrack of America because yeah. you think of songs that were used for campaigns or songs that, you know, played Born on in TV. The USA or, I mean, with Ronald Reagan. For example, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> Not a, a great example. It's a whole but... box of worms. But I mean, even think about like MTV. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like all the people that remember watching, you know, music videos on MTV. I yeah. mean, that's another. Super Bowl halftime shows. Super Bowl halftime shows. I mean, music is so ingrained in American consciousness, and it's one of the most beautiful things that America has given yeah. the world is this awesome thing of rock and roll. Oh. And I'll say, like, I mean, I haven't been to... I've never been outside of America's borders. Maybe this podcast would be different if I had. But <laughs> um, I will say, I can just... I just feel like with American culture especially, it's like we're a very young country, so yeah. it's like we're not like England where we have castles to point to. We're not... Right. Or Germany, or we're not like... Asia with the Great Wall of China, you know? So what we have is rock and roll. So right. even people that don't necessarily appreciate it, not really their thing, yeah. it's such, like, a part of the American consciousness that you can't help but love it. Right, absolutely. I mean, it is, in some ways, our greatest export. Yeah. You know? People yeah. love American bands, and so do we. And absolutely. that's, I think that it's something that we can all come together on regardless. It's like... Yeah. Well, and you can't... It's not just rock and roll, too. I think music in general is oh, just for something. Sure. You know, rap, hip-hop, uh, country. For sure. And there's a little bit of something Folk. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just like America. <laughs> just like America should be. Contrary to what some may say... Right. I think... Wyoming hopefully, has hopefully. plenty of room for everybody. <laughs> please. Please come and share our American music with us. Please do. Please come from everywhere. Savannah and I have not made a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Shannon and I are personally asking you, no matter where you live, to come join us. And hang out with us. And we'll listen to some you can fish. Listen to us. <laughs> yeah. We'll listen to some Crosby, Stills, some and Nash. <laughs> some Weezer. Yeah. We won't smoke pot because I'm too cheap to buy the it. The Black but... Keys. We'll listen to all of it. All right. Well, 
Shannon, is there any last thoughts about rock and roll and America that you would like to impart? I think it's already all been said. All I can say is rock and roll is like America, not made for a person, not made for a gender, not made for uh, nationality. It's made for the people. Absolutely. We the people. We the people. And lastly, before we go, we have a few minutes left. Uh, Shane and I, at the end of each episode, would like to give you some of our recommendations, uh, depending on what we're talking <laughs> if about. If you care about our opinion. Right, exactly, point. exactly. <laughs> if you've made it this far, we've got a couple of things for you. Yeah. So, I think my first recommendations would be, uh, some Chuck Berry. Go check him out. Sea Bears. My go, ch- go check oh, him sh- out. Oh, shit, I don't know if we have to pay for that. <laughs> no, it's okay. fine. Um, I would also recommend, um going to your local bookstore and grabbing Bruce Springsteen's new biography. It's a couple years old, but it's also a wonderful story of American rock and roll. That's true. Oh gosh, I forgot. I didn't even think. I think, uh, definitely I would, I mentioned earlier, if you want a song that's not necessarily pointing straight at what it's about, but it's a song that's beautifully crafted, take Mr. Tambourine Man by Bob Dylan. What I would do is... First, look up the lyrics, and if you just read it like a poem, it's fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one I'll have to throw out, Born in the USA. Not oh, my yeah. favorite Bruce Springsteen song, but uh, I think if you want practice in deciphering lyrics that Ronald Reagan did not have, <laughs> <laughs> I think that is definitely something you should give a listen to. Still a great song, if we're also talking about a song. I mean, actually, I mean it's reflecting the times. I wasn't even in the times. It's still telling the story of the Vietnam War, so if you want to hear a little bit of attitude about that check that out all right well this has been the people's hands i'm savannah sire i am shannon b sink and please join us for our next episode where we will talk about an undisclosed topic that we haven't decided on yet (laughs) have a good time but thanks for joining us bye